So, Christmas specials, um, Christmas uh, non Christmas Christmas movies that are movies that are Christmas movies that aren't really Christmas movies. Um, I guess is that what you meant by Christmas specials, though, in general, or Christmas specials? Well, Christmas special or Christmas themed television show, or right? That like yeah. they do all the. The He-Man Christmas special was just really a Christmas episode of He-Man. Um, yeah, I think I'm good. Brian, you good? Yep. Here, you're good. Yeah. All right. Play ball! Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that's pretty sure this Christmas we will not shoot our eye out. Uh, I'm Drew. I'll be your host for the evening as usual. Along with me is uh, my brother Peter. He's here. How's it going? And along with us, as always, is Ryan. Uh, and he's kind of waving above the mic today. <laughs> um, okay, so before we move on to our festivities for the night, uh, I wanted to talk real briefly about Apple's release schedule. So I want everyone to understand that this... So Apple basically told us that the, there could be a delay between X number of date and X number of date because they take a holiday break. They have to let their employees have Christmas too. We all get that. So I did my math. This episode technically releases on Christmas Eve. Awesome, but that's in the middle of the thing. So if I can get, if we get it scheduled right, it will release and it'll be on your, it'll be available for you on iTunes exactly on time. If not, there could be a delay. I just want everyone to know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, however... The good side of that is the the good news to that is regardless of it releasing on iTunes, it will be available on our website right on time. <laughs> so um, if you're looking for you know some Christmas thing for your long car ride, if we're not on iTunes, we will be uh, at least on our website and you can get us there. So and that's it's, that's it's the best uh, Christmas present you really could ask for. I'd say it is. It is. <laughs> so here we are coming from directly under your Christmas tree. I just wanted to. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to let everyone know that that was the case. Um, tonight, we are discussing Christmas. Um, we are recording this a little early, so technically it's Christmas. Hey, Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> um, we we wanted to make sure we got this in before the end of the year because we're coming up to some end-of-the-year stuff. Um, we, have a, we, we have our show this week, and then next week we're going to be starting to talk the next year because 2019 has already hurting my wallet in terms of <laughs> movies I'm going to go see at the theater. Um, so with that being said, uh, let's talk about what we're watching and then we'll roll into some news and then it's going to be all Christmas talk for the rest of the show. So, uh, Peter, what are we watching? Nice. Um, I've been watching a lot of, uh, movies lately as opposed to TV shows or anything else, but, uh, most recently I checked out, uh, Mowgli on Netflix. Have you oh, ever guys watched this I knew yet? Th I knew this was coming mm -hmm. and I thought to myself, okay, we have two... <laughs> live action or slash computer animated uh, Jungle Book films coming. The Netflix one, Mowgli, looks really dark. Right. And it got a PG-13 rating. <laughs> oh, I didn't even realize that. <laughs> yeah, but. compared to the, you know, the Disney one, which, mm -hmm. you know. Well, I remember seeing the uh, trailer for the, for the Mowgli one, the one that's on Netflix, uh, which is directed by Andy Serkis, who played Gollum, if any of you guys yeah. don't know, but... Uh, or any of the listeners don't know, I should say. 
Anyways, I remember seeing it come out and I was like, really a live action Jungle Book? Didn't we just see this somewhere else, you know? Um, but after actually watching it, I was just super impressed. Like, I thought it was really good. Did you and see one the of those... Disney one? Yeah, I saw okay. I saw both okay. of them. I actually think I prefer Mowgli to the Disney one. Ooh. And uh, I, I mean, there's so much I could say about this movie. It is a little bit darker, but it's also... Um, while watching it, I felt like it was more of like... It, it tells the same story, but I think kind of like in a more original sort of way or a way that kind of makes me view things a little bit different. So it's more of an engaging watch, I think, while watching it. But also the movie is just so beautiful. Like, if you want to talk about a movie where every frame just feels like a painting, like this movie is awesome visually. And it took me five seconds into the thing. I was like, this movie looks awesome <laughs> so far. So, I mean, uh, some of the animals look a little unique because I feel like they stylize the animals' faces to look like the actors who are voicing them. So it kind of has like a weird look in that way a little bit, but it's also something that I think kind of just lends to the uniqueness of it that I really appreciated it. So right on. yeah. Um, and then otherwise I also checked out another Netflix movie, uh, the Christmas Chronicles. Have you watched this? I did. And I was okay. going to talk about this last week and then I don't know what you said you were going to save for this show. <laughs> And I was like, well, if he's saving one, there's a good chance it's the Christmas Chronicles. <laughs> oh, nice. I'll save it because we'll, because that'll make it our Christmas episode and we'll just talk. So Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I watched Christmas Chronicles. But that's actually the only thing that I watched. <laughs> nice. Because I'm trying... So, a couple things. I'm trying to keep up with the normal television stuff I watch. Um, I don't have time in my schedule to sit down and binge shows. It's really mm. difficult for me to do that in the things that I do in my real life. Um, so I have to, I watch everything very on time. So like Flash is on, I watch it. Awesome. And what's nice about that is it's just like comic books. You watch, you read the issue and you got to wait for the next issue to come Mm -hmm. out. So it makes me, it's kind of like that feel for everything I do. Um, uh, Marvelous Miss Maisel started up again. So I've been watching that, but again, very slowly because Mm -hmm. I don't have time to binge. Uh, so um, yeah, so the only thing I watched extra was uh, Christmas Chronicles. <laughs> so what do you think of it? Um, how about this? You give me your review first. Okay. So <laughs> my my pin, my my thoughts on this. I'm still I still feel like I'm processing that. It's been like a week and a oh, half, really? and I still feel like I'm processing the movie. Go um, ahead. <laughs> overall, I uh, was left with a pretty good taste in my mouth after watching this too. Like I thought it did a really good job of kind of. Uh, bringing the Christmas spirit into a movie in a way that I feel like I could see this becoming kind of a favorite of a lot of families or kids uh, growing up. I really went into the movie, though, with no expectations. I had no idea what I was getting into, but there's just aspects of it I liked a lot. I think um, I kind of liked how they had, like, Kurt Russell as Santa Claus, and he's almost like a superhero in some ways. Like, you feel like you're watching uh, The Flash with how he goes in and out of uh, different he, like chimneys. He's almost like a realistic Santa Claus. <laughs> okay. It's like they okay. So, um, did you have more to say? I don't. I feel like I'm cutting you off, but no, you can keep going. I mean, okay. I've got more to say, but so when I saw the trailer for this, I was like, "What is this?" Like, I didn't really understand what it was. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, "Well, I'm gonna have to give this a watch." So I went started to watch it, and I saw that it had a PG rating. Mm-hmm. which struck me as odd because the trailer doesn't look PG at all. 
Um, <laughs> what did the tra- did the trailer well, I, look higher? Than well, that? I thought it looked like a Christmas movie with Santa Claus, but it looked like it had a darker tone. Okay. So I was expecting at least a PG thirteen, but that's not what it was. Right. And then the movie starts, and I was like, "Oh, this is a movie about some kids who are going to try and catch Santa on videotape." Yeah. Okay, that's kind of clever. And then when Santa appears, that's where the movie to me got weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and when I say weird, I'm like, I didn't know how to take it. When I, and like everything about it was like, let's make Santa as hyper realistic as possible. Like we're gonna take the Santa Claus story, and we're gonna give it the Dark Knight treatment. <laughs> okay. Like, and I say that because the Dark Knight trilogy, they tried to give Batman the most realistic take. Yeah. I know. I give. I know. I try and bring everything back to Batman. I get. It. <laughs> but um. They tried to make Batman as realistic as possible. So when I watched Christmas Chronicles, they tried to make Santa Claus as realistic as possible. Like mm-hmm. explaining everything and like, you know, they, I mean, they covered as much stuff as they could. Yeah. I just found it kind to of, be. Yeah, I know what you mean. Because, uh, okay, so for example, when they go into, when they fly higher into the atmosphere on the sleigh, they go into this weird like wormhole thing. Yeah. That, uh, and like within the wormhole, you can see like all these different cities that they can choose to travel to. And that's like kind of the way to speed up that sort of travel right. they use. So right. I and definitely then, can see and that. And then they, when they're just like, you're not Santa, Santa's big and fat. And he's like, no, I don't, like, the guy in the poster is just a cartoon or an <laughs> embellishment or, you know what I yeah. mean? It's just everyone just assumes that's the case. That's not how I am, you know? Mm-hmm. It was, there were things about it that I was like, this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not your traditional Santa and a lot of aspects of it. They did take a lot of liberties but yeah. i mean overall and then, and then the scene where he gets arrested and gets all the inmates in jail to like start singing and playing instruments <laughs> i'm like what am i that, watching like, that was really weird but i just feel like there's so many old 80s and 90s movies where just random stuff like that there was happen. a lot of really great funny parts to the movie and overall the movie was actually quite enjoyable mm-hmm. and it's definitely one of those movies that could become like one of those family classics to sit down and watch i yeah. just i was like what am i watching yeah. I, it was very I felt very confused the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> so and like uh, the elves in the movie are kind of these weird CGI characters that uh, I mean they were introduced and I kind of felt like they were going to be uh, basically derivative of minions, which they totally were. But I wasn't as annoyed by them. As oh, I, thought, I definitely so. was not annoyed by yeah. them. The way like minions, I'm I know there's minions fans out there, and I know people like those movies, but minions as characters drive me absolutely <laughs> insane. Right. Like, I think they're probably some of the worst cartoon characters to ever be created. They drive me nuts. Mm-hmm. And they're a ripoff of the Rabbids. Right. Um, if you know what the Rabbids are, uh, <laughs> you're probably sitting here, you're nodding your head along with me going, yes, the Minions completely ripped that off. Right. So, anyway. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Just some of it I felt was a little derivative, but overall... I thought it was pretty enjoyable, you know, especially for a Netflix movie and a newer Christmas movie. So, right on. How about um, did? Oh, you said that's the only thing. That's you the watched, only right? thing okay, I had time. That's, that's not that was outside of my other shows. Uh, I will say that um, last week we talked sports movies, and the one movie that I was like really blowing up was Miracle. Like I love that movie. Um, it's been running on AMC like re- on repeat right now for some yeah. reason. So I've watched it like three times just in passing. Like I'll turn on the TV and I'll be like, oh, Miracle's on and I'll just let it go. Um, <laughs> nice. So it'll be on in the background and stuff. So I've seen the movie like a chunk recently. It's just funny that it hit when we did our <laughs> sports episode. So mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, 
So that's all. That that's it for watching. For the most part. Okay, yeah. cool. Because we have some news we want to get to, and then we'll roll into the thing. Um, so first off, uh, we talked to Oscars last week about uh, our setup yeah. for the Oscars, and um, hey, we're gonna do our we're gonna do our favorite 2018 movies when the Oscars hits, and Kevin Hart's gonna host the Oscars. And the minute we turned off the microphones, Kevin Hart steps down as host <laughs> of the Oscars. Yeah, that was, that was so funny because I think we're both like, yeah, he's gonna do a great job. This is gonna be awesome. And then yeah, immediately he had to step down. So yeah, and I guess basically he made some comments on social media somewhere, very hyper long ago like incredibly long ago that they called him out on it and he responded with I've already apologized to this. Yeah. And I and I'm not going to deal with anyone giving me crap for it anymore. Um I've already said I'm sorry. I don't know how many times I can say I'm sorry. It's not worth it. But because of it, he was kind of forced to step down from hosting the Oscars. Yeah. And I th- I think his quote said he's already apologized for it 3 times or something crazy yeah. like so that. So it's just but... like, you know, let it go. This you can't Everything I, I'm willing to bet everything I've said so far tonight has offended someone somewhere <laughs> the way this political correct nonsense is going on. But we don't right. want to talk politics. We're here to talk about things we like. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's just sad that Kevin Hart's stepping down because I was really looking forward to it. I think he's really funny. So exactly. Yeah. Um, From, I didn't. I no. didn't like his stand up originally. Like I don't know why. Like his stand up is hysterical. But, like, when I first got introduced to him, I'm like, this guy's not funny. I don't get it. You know what I mean? And, but then I started really listening. He is absolutely hysterical. He's fantastic. So. Right on. I think uh, from what I've heard, there's the Oscars are thinking of having no one as a host this year, which I think just sounds like a horrible idea. I don't know if you've caught wind of that at all. I haven't. Um, that's interesting news. I mean, I guess technically they could. You just have need to have the voice announce whoever's coming to the stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but having a host with an opening monologue and stuff is always fun. So. And it's, I feel like it's a big reason to watch, like to see the opening monologue and see all the little skits or whatever you want to call them, bits between each award and stuff the host puts on. So, yeah. I mean, I'll be a little disappointed if they can't find anybody, but, I mean, we'll see how it goes. Right. Well, anyway, Oscars is February 24th, <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Um, and then uh, there's supposed to be a Spider-Man uh, Far From Home trailer, so the next Spider-Man movie coming out is Spider-Man Far From Home. That'll be the movie that takes that releases right after the next Avengers film. So Avengers got a title. Avengers 4 got a title. It's Avengers Endgame. The next movie after that. So what's interesting about the Marvel films is every Avengers film, the following film, in a way, has to pick up the pieces from the events, right? So if you look at the slate of movies, we had the first Avengers film. The very next movie was Iron Man 3. Mm-hmm. And because of the battle in New York, Tony is, in the movie, he's talking about what happened and him going to space and stuff and it's basically gave him PTSD and that kind of stuff. And then you get to Avengers 2 and the very follow-up movie is Ant-Man which is funny because Ant-Man then leads into Civil War because of the events of Avengers 2 eventually mm. works its way to Civil War and Ant-Man's a step towards that you know. Um, and then Avengers 3 which was Infinity War, Ant-Man again is the follow-up but the ending of Ant-Man's The Big Connection makes you go, oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. And then um, it leads you into the next Avengers film. So, but the, the movie after the next Avengers film is supposed to be Spider-Man. And there was supposed to be a trailer. And it has not aired yet. Now, 
by the time that this show drops, the Spider-Man trailer is supposed to be out. Yeah. So, when we come back, we'll talk the Spider-Man trailer, but I know the internet's been like, where's the Spider-Man trailer, where's the Spider-Man trailer? Mm -hmm. It kind of reminds me of uh, last week when we were talking about where's the Avengers trailer, and it was because of... (laughs) Yes, and we're going to get to the Avengers trailer, because uh, what's interesting about the Avengers trailer is, once again, everyone was like, when's the Avengers trailer airing, and the minute we stopped recording... Kevin Hart steps down <laughs> from the Oscars, and the Avengers trailer hits yeah, the that internet. Was ridiculous. <laughs> so um, sometimes that happens, and you know we got to roll with it. So, but that's okay. Uh, we talked. We talk about our release schedule. How we're a little bit behind. We're not behind. We're talking about all the news in real time. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is our release schedule puts us in this buffer that keeps us. Um, so we're basically not spoilers. Okay. Anything we talk yeah. about is not a spoiler because anyone who really cared already checked it out. So they're listening to the show like a little behind. So, you know, it works out. Um, and your news, what's nice about the news is we've had time to read about stuff to make sure we're talking about correct things. <laughs> um, so we'll talk Avengers in a second. What I do want to mention is um, we'll jump from that trailer because we got a couple trailers we want to talk about tonight. Um, but. The DCW, see what I did there? Um, the uh, the DCCW shows, um, or the DCW, as I'm probably going to call it from now on. Did they you coin that term? I don't know. It, okay. <laughs> and, and the fact that they don't call it that baffles me. Anyway, so all the shows, the Arrowverse, Supergirl, Flash, Arrow, uh, Legends of Tomorrow, they do other big crossovers every year. Uh, this year they were doing the Elseworlds crossover. That's the title of it. Their crossovers are amazing. Like, I absolutely love them. It's like a comic book dream. I go and watch Arrow, and it's like every... It's like each episode of the show is like the next issue of the comic book. And the same Mm -hmm. thing with Supergirl. Same thing with Flash, right? And then they do the crossover, which is like the big annual. Mm -hmm. An annual issue in um, comic books is basically all the characters... It's all the big crossovers. They bring in characters from all over the place, and they do a big crossover. And it's funny because they do it once a year, so it's like a big annual, right? Mm -hmm. So this year's... Elseworlds. Now, I have not watched it yet. It's aired. It's sitting on my DVR. My life has been insane, so I haven't (laughs) had a chance to watch it. If we weren't recording tonight, I would have been watching it. Um, So when I do watch it, I will talk about it next week because I will have seen it by the time we sit down next week. Um, But at the end, they tease the crossover for next year. And if you know comic books and if you know about all the big crossovers the Marvel and DC do, or at least the big famous ones, next year's crossover will be Crisis on Infinite Earths. Thoughts on that? Uh, pretty awesome. Like, that's <laughs> that's astounding. Yeah. Like, I'm so excited for that. That's one of DC's, like, it's kind of like Marvel has Secret Wars and the Infinity Gauntlet, and DC has their Crisis series. And, like, Crisis on Infinite Earths and Infinite Crisis and so on. You know, like... Was that the first time they combined all the universes to... Well, so, what basically what happened is... So, so long story short, DC start... They have their Batman stories, they have their Superman stories, Justice League. Like, all the characters have their stuff, and they run that. They do a crossover here and there, right? Well, then someone comes along and says... Like, a writer would come into the company and say, I have this really cool idea for a Batman story, but it has nothing to do with what you guys are doing. It's going to tell a story of an older Batman. So like Frank Miller, Dark Knight Returns. I'm going to tell a story Mm -hmm. of an older Batman um, where he's like in his 60s, like looking for that perfect death and all this other stuff happens. 
and then they'll someone will go, oh, that sounds like a good idea. Why don't you write that? And then someone goes, oh, you know what? I have this really cool idea for a Superman story, but it has nothing to do with regular continuity. I'm just going to write it. It's going to be a cool one-off story. Yeah. Right? And there's nothing wrong with that because sometimes you have your main continuity and then you go, oh, this is really cool single one-shot story and it was so much fun to read. You know? That's awesome when, like, I love when companies do stuff like that. So what happened was is they started creating so many of these one-offs next to the main continuity that people started to question what's real and what's not. What's the actual DC <laughs> yeah. continuity? And then uh, I think it's George Perez. I think he's the lead writer on the Crisis series. Okay. That was when they started building um, – I could be wrong. Don't quote me. So um, I know uh... – George Perez or like Perez is a lot. Of, I guess he prefers it to be pronounced as a. I know he's a really awesome artist. I don't yeah. know, but I personally don't know if he. I'm writes I, a lot. Right, or not, I'm but, now yeah. blanking on who wrote. Crisis I mean that, Infinite Earths. It's it's um, no big deal, but yeah. Ryan's jumping on his phone, so maybe he's looking it up for me as yeah. we speak. Um, because you know what's interesting is when I hear like a radio station and they blank on someone's name, I'm like, okay, I know I'm screaming at the radio, so people are doing that to me right now. Um, <laughs> and it's happened before on this podcast. Yeah, it's I've, fine. I've listened up back to episodes and I'm like, wait, what did I just say? That's totally <laughs> inaccurate. So, I mean, right. it happens. Right. So, anyway, Crisis and Infinite Earths, they had this idea they created what we now know as the DC multiverse. Um, where's the name? Can you highlight that for me? Marv. Oh, Marv Wolfman. Oh, Marv Wolfman. I don't know so why. So George, George Perez. Perez was probably the He's artist. He's probably the artist. Um, <clears throat> anyway, they created what we now know as the DC multiverse, which has all these... And the multiverse theory, we're going to talk some science here real quick, is the idea that there's an infinite number of alternate realities that run parallel to ours. So if we live on Earth-1, and Batman is the greatest uh, detective in the world... On Earth 2, Batman would be the greatest criminal mastermind. And maybe on Earth 3, Batman is uh, not Batman. He's another character called Owlman. And on Earth 4, maybe his parents... Maybe it's both. Uh, that's where I got the George Perez. Yeah, the, George, George Perez was the artist. artist yeah. yeah, all right. Um, so I wasn't entirely wrong. But, like, you know, maybe on this Earth, maybe on Earth 4, Batman's parents were the ones that survived and Bruce Wayne died. And you know what I mean? Every Earth has a possibility, so it's always yeah. different. And it's an infinite number of possibilities, and it creates a multiverse. And they all exist parallel to each other. And they all vibrate on different wavelengths. That's why we don't know they exist, right? So that's the multiverse. Crisis and Infinite Earths, they basically said, well, all these one-shots that we've been writing, we're going to make them all continuity, and we're going to make it, like, there's going to be a guy, we're going to call him the Monitor, and he is going to try and combine all the Earths, take the bests of all of them, and make one single Earth, one single universe, one single continuity. Mm -hmm. And what's really great about it is there's a lot of death in the Crisis and Infinite Earths story arc, but at the end, you have it's one. Great. Well, <laughs> at the Keep end, going. at the end of the book, you have one single Earth, and you have like all the like best pieces of it. So when right. you start reading the DC continuity right after Crisis on Infinite Earth, it's almost like a reset. Mm -hmm. But you don't know who's alive, who's dead, who's missing. Like you know, where's Superman? Which bat? Which version of Batman do we have? Which version of you know? Yeah. Uh, at the time, the Flash during Crisis on Infinite Earths was written out of DC continuity for thirty years. <laughs> like that's insane. So 
I'm really excited for the possibilities, but it scares me to think who of the main characters of the Arrowverse are going to be gone. Yeah, you know? that's that's so, going to be hard. You know, hard what to are watch. they? What are they doing? So, um, because I'm pretty behind on the Arrowverse, I might be. This might be a completely ignorant state statement, but do you think that after this special, the Crisis on Infinite Earths? Do you think it's possible that Supergirl will be in within the same universe as the rest of the other shows? Because right now it's like Arrow, so Flash Arrow and Flash are, are in the Earth same one. universe, and then Supergirl and is Supergirl. In a, I believe, if I remember from the dialogue correctly, is Earth thirty eight. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, I'm not sure about that, but I do know she's I think, on a, in I a think separate it's Earth universe. 38. But th- it could be a way to combine both of them. Probably Which is. will be pretty amazing. It probably so. <laughs> and right now, And right now, the Black Lightning show is not a part of the so-called Arrowverse. Yeah. But that might be their way of bringing the Black Lightning yeah, show exactly. in. Yeah, exactly. Like, why not? But right. I just know, uh, as soon as Supergirl started airing, when it was on uh, CBS, yes. and it was acknowledged that it was in a different universe and then eventually it was brought back to the cw um everybody's kind of been talking about this like are they going to combine universes are they going to do some crazy event and it hasn't happened yet so hopefully it hasn't happened but every time they do the crossover it's fantastic so anyway um i was just excited about that i'll give my my review of the (laughs) uh elseworlds crossover next episode sounds great um so let's talk these trailers and then let's talk our list for the okay cool um so first off, let's talk the Godzilla trailer. Okay. Okay. What are your thoughts? I think it looks awesome. Like right. I think um, I'm I'm kind of surprised with how much of each <clears throat> monster you actually get to see, but all of the ones they've shown look really amazing. Um, the last Godzilla movie they made, I think it came out 2014. I might I think be wrong, so. but I wasn't the biggest fan of that because I felt like. It's an interesting take to focus more on the people than the monsters, but I felt like they focused too much on the people to the oh, point okay. where, like, the first time they sh- you see Godzilla in the movie, it's in, like, a small TV monitor, like, in the corner or something, where I just want this, like, big, bombastic, like, large reveal of Godzilla for the first time you see him. Um, and I just feel like this movie, it looks like it's an equal focus with the humans in it, uh, issues and the monsters issues and it just got me really pumped watching it like it just looks awesome I don't know what your thoughts are but um, it looks awesome um, <laughs> it's you know if you've watched any of the Godzilla movies especially the most recent one this however is part of the shared universe so you would watch Godzilla then you'd watch Kong Skull Island and then now Godzilla King of the Monsters which is the trailer we're talking about so because it's leading up to Godzilla versus King Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, the trailer for this looks great. Uh, King Ghidorah looks awesome. Like, I mean, it's just basically the trailer is really just some big monsters fighting each other. So there's not, <laughs> yeah, you know, there's not much to say other yeah. than hey, it's a Godzilla movie. Yeah. You know, um, you mentioned King Ghidorah. <laughs> I saw on uh, Twitter actually right before we started the episode, somebody was sharing. They've got posters for the movie, and they have each poster is like a close-up of the different monsters. So you've got King Ghidorah, Mothra, and Rodan, who's like the ter- giant pterodactyl-looking mm-hmm. one. And Rodan, I never thought was that cool, like based on the older uh, kaiju movies. But in this poster, Rodan looks the coolest out of all of them. So I'm like, <laughs> they made him look really awesome. Like, right. I wouldn't think he'd be my favorite, but they're obviously doing something right. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I don't know. It looks good. And I think it's, mm-hmm. I think they said May is when it comes out. No, something like that. I think that it's May. All. Yeah, it looks good. <laughs> I'll be there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's definitely a see on the biggest screen possible. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so, all right. So let's talk about Brightburn. Okay. Um, Peter came in and said, you have to watch this before we record tonight. And um, so I watched this trailer for this movie called Brightburn. Uh, this is James Gunn produced. Everyone should know James Gunn's name from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy fame. Uh, he didn't direct it. He produced it. Yeah. We've um, talked about him a lot. On and we've podcast. talked about him a lot recently because of what happened with Disney. So um, so this movie, uh, how about this? I'll let you talk about the movie first. You talk about the trailer first because this is, this is a unique, this is a very unique trailer. Yeah. And I'm, you were waiting <laughs> for my initial response and I'm very interested. Yeah. I'm, so, curi- I'm curious how I should introduce this because it's. I had no idea what this was. Brightburn, like I uh, looked on social media one day and I saw a bunch of people mentioning Brightburn this, Brightburn that, and I was just like, I don't know what this is, and I kind of ignored it. And then I saw somebody say, they tweeted something with Brightburn and Man of Steel in the same sentence or something. I'm like, what is this? So I looked it up, and it's this new trailer for this movie produced by James Gunn. I can't remember who it's directed by. But you watch the trailer, and it looks like they're trying to copy Man of Steel when you first start. Like, it's the way it's shot looks a lot like Man of Steel. The music, it's like they're trying to copy Man of Steel. Um, even the text that's used, you know, like, produced by James Gunn, like, the text is written in looks like the font they use for the Man of Steel trailers. So it's just kind of... It's like, what's going on here? And the storyline looks like a Superman movie. It lo- but it, then, it directly looks like a Superman exactly, movie. Exactly, yeah. And it's like the story of like Martha and John Kent finding an alien boy and raising them as raising him as their own. Except, you know, you, you're pretty sure they're going to change those names. It's not going to actually be <laughs> Martha and right. John Kent. But the second half of the trailer starts to reveal that this is like a Superman horror movie where it's like if Superman like what if the what if the alien boy was not good yeah you and know? was never meant to be good and never he, meant to be yeah. he was he came and had all the superpowers that Superman had but he's evil mm-hmm. um, the idea of doing a horror movie like that is awesome and I watched the trailer and I was like it almost reminded me of uh, this is definitely has no association with DC Comics, clearly, mm-hmm. and it has no association with any storylines, but they've done... DC has done storylines where they've talked um, right. possibilities of if Superman came to Earth and he was evil. You yeah. Know? So. Um, yeah, it's, it's really interesting, too, how they did the... Uh, this isn't based on anything, is it? Like, this isn't actually based on, like, a comic book I think it's property. just an, it's original an original thing, thing. Okay. yeah. Um... It's really interesting, too, how it's essentially, like, they have this kid who is, like, chasing people around and attacking people in a Superman cape as, like, a horror yeah. movie. But he's, he's got, has like, like, but he's got, like, his red mask on, Yeah, too. and it's, like, a pretty creepy-looking mask while still fitting within, like, a superhero trope, essentially. Um, I don't really... I think it looks really cool, but I also don't know what to think, just because I don't know if it's, like, trying to criticize or parody man of steel or if it's an homage to man of steel um it's also interesting to think about james gunn producing this because i know uh 
Is James Gunn officially uh, writing Suicide Squad 2 right now? Writing and directing. So, So it's cool I think he's writing it. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if he's directing it. I think he's writing it. But it's it's interesting seeing his name attached to this because it's like... It's just like, what do you, th- you know, what do you think about this? And like, does this prove that James Gunn's going to keep the sort of DCEU visual style intact when he does his version of Suicide Squad, for example? Oh. Um, and stuff like that. So That's an interesting technical thing to discuss. Yeah. Um, from what I, kn- from kind of like what I've seen, I think James Gunn and, uh, Zack Snyder are actually really good friends. Like, Zack Snyder directed Man of Steel, um, if any of the listeners don't know. But I think they're actually decent friends, so it makes me feel like this is more like homaging Man of Steel than critiquing it, I guess. But, yeah, it's just one of those things I don't know how to feel yet, but I'll definitely... the movie looks awesome. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely probably be there in theaters. I'll (laughs) I'll probably go see this movie as well. It looks fantastic. Yeah. Um, All right, let's talk about the big trailer because um, I don't want to run too long tonight. <laughs> Fair um, enough. Let's talk about the big one we need to discuss, and that is the Avengers Endgame trailer. Now, before we talk, this is a spoiler warning. We are going to do our best to be vague, to be nice, because some people are weird about trailers being spoilers. Um, so this has been your warning. Jump ahead a few minutes if you feel you need to, because I don't have much to say. So, mm-hmm. spoilers. Here we go. Um the trailer didn't show anything, just like I thought. Right <laughs> on. Um, there's a. I, I will say this: if you're still listening and you haven't skipped ahead, all this movie is going to do, all this trailer is going to do, is make you excited. There's nothing there. Like mm-hmm. I really don't think it showed. It didn't show anything. Yeah. Like it showed like three characters, a couple lines of dialogue that didn't really make a whole lot of sense because we don't know the time gap between the movies and that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I really feel like I just, I'm like, I saw the trailer and I went, oh, well, at least I got the, at least I know the title is called Avengers Endgame. <laughs> yeah. Um, Did you like that title, by the way? I, well. To, to me, it like, it's kind of a cool title, but I feel like it's kind of generic too, so I don't know if I'm. I know. Sold on it um, yet, but. There was, uh, there's some Avengers toys that got released or something right around like Black Friday or something like that or yeah. some images of some toys that said Avengers Annihilation on them. I kind of liked that title a little better. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because everyone thought that was the title. Um, so let's not go on a tangent. Um, so what did you think of the trailer? It's kind of the same as you. Like it doesn't necessarily show too much. If anything, it shows a bit of a uh, starting point for where the next movie might kind of start, but it right. doesn't really give away much of the story at all, which the only thing, I totally appreciated. So The only thing I have a big, that has a big question mark for me, is the end of the trailer, you see a character somehow got out of the blank. Right. And you're like, well, how did he get there if he was <laughs> there the, this other place the last time I saw him? Mm-hmm. And it raises a big question mark. Um, I know there's been some trailer analysis's post online post online that um have raised some questions which i don't even want to mention on here because technically it, i feel like that could be a spoiler so i you know but i've had ideas you and i can talk um irl about this when we cl- turn off the mic for the night but i had an idea about something specific involving okay. that scene in the trailer um but Okay. I don't nice. really have much to say, and I just want to be vague because I know people are weird. <laughs> yeah, <so>. right on. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the trailer looked good, but 
it didn't make me any more excited than I already was because yeah. I mean they didn't have to show us a trailer. The trailer just could have been the title card that said Avengers Endgame, showed a date, and then we're all going to be yeah. there. Like that's all they needed. We're all going. Mm-hmm. So they're projecting a two billion dollar opening weekend just based on the tracking numbers from the previous movie. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I mean that's insane. Yeah. Um, For sure. <laughs> Anything else on that? Like, um, I mean, pretty much just what they how the trailer opens. It shows a certain character in a situation, and uh, the idea of like what the character is going to do next, and kind of like how he or she gets out of the situation they're in. I'm really interested in. Like, it seems like a really cool starting point, and I like that sort of uh, strategic problem solving they put in movies. Right. I think. One kind of storytelling incorporates kind of a strategy or a game that you can kind of ponder about. I really like that. So yeah. excited about that part. But yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's about I'm, it. Yeah, I'm just I'm excited to see it. I just don't have a lot to say about the trailer. Uh, they did say we're supposed to get a full trailer during the Super Bowl. Oh, makes that sense. That arrowed during the Super Bowl. Cool. So mm-hmm. I expected that. I said that was going to happen a few weeks ago anyway. So yeah, we'll get a full trailer before the end of the game. Yes. However, um, so are we done talking the trailer? Sure. Okay. Uh, Spoiler warning over. We're back to our regular stuff. I will say this, though. Um, If you... I did notice. So the next Marvel film is Captain Marvel, and then the one after that is Avengers Endgame, right? Avengers Endgame was supposed to release in May. It has now been moved forward to April. Captain Marvel was supposed to release in February. It's now March. There are only a handful of weeks between Captain Marvel release and Avengers Endgame release. Like, it is back-to-back. I mean, I've joked about the Marvel films being a television show, and you can't watch this movie without seeing the next... You can't watch that episode of the show without watching this episode of the show, and that's kind of how we've they've become. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've... I mean, Captain Marvel and Avengers are right on the heels of each other, so... Um, I mean, they're both going to perform well. I mean, it's just only a couple weeks, which I thought was interesting. And it's at the beginning of the year. It is not even during summer blockbuster season. It's like they're going to, like, Disney's going to own the spring. <laughs> I don't remember what's coming out in the summer for Disney because at Christmas time they got Star Wars coming out. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and they had to move the Frozen release date so it didn't compete with Star Wars. Their Frozen um, sequel coming out. Yeah, this year? Frozen oh, two okay. comes out next year, and it was it, no it was going to be a direct competition to Star Wars, and they had to move the date, and <laughs> so they didn't compete with each other. Whatever, Disney gets all the money now. So. <laughs> um, okay, well, I think that brings us to the end of the news. Yeah. Right. Okay, so uh, let's talk our top five list. <laughs> that sounds great. You ready to do that? Yeah. Ryan, sure. roll the thing. for the top five. Awesome. Okay, so, well, how about this? Let's start this off. Merry Christmas, everyone. We're coming directly from your Christmas tree or out of your stocking or um, under your mistletoe if you're hanging out there with your earbuds on. Um, It's, I mean, it's Christmas. This is a really cool time of year. This is a, um, a time that we like to spend a lot of time with family and try and avoid family sometimes. Um, <laughs> so we're going to talk our top five favorite Christmas films as a whole. Um, 
I we thought about some different niche topics because like with Halloween we were like horror movies, but mm-hmm. slasher films or zombie movies or vampire movies. Christmas we found a couple ideas that we could do so for future Christmas episodes. Um, but we just wanted to talk general, basic, favorite Christmas movies. Um, I'm really curious to, to know what your list is because my short list was weird and there were movies on here that I wasn't sure if they even counted as Christmas movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's that thing going around right now that Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. Um, that's kind of a category that you and I talked about, how um, certain yeah. Christmas films... like So, like, Die Hard is a movie that takes place during Christmas, but it's not about Christmas, so it's technically not a Christmas movie. But mm-hmm. I don't know who watches it. Like, I mean, I'd watch it any time of the year, but I always find myself putting it in around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. So... Um, you're just nodding your head. Do you have anything like <laughs> I mean, jumping in here? I've like, been hearing a lot of stuff this year about just certain movies you think are Christmas movies not being, and it's kind of getting crazy. I, well, I saw a thing. People were saying Home Alone's on a Christmas movie. Yeah, I, and I'm yeah like, I've seen the same. No, the movie's <laughs> about Christmas. Yeah, yeah, it's about a kid who gets left people home alone say on like Christmas, if it's, but at the end of the day, it's about Christmas. Yeah, I've been seeing this weird thing that it's if it's like not about one of the Christmas, like, fantasy characters, like Santa Claus, Rudolph, uh, Frosty the Snowman. Like, if it's not about one of those characters, it's not technically a Christmas movie. So a movie like Love Actually or uh, It's a Wonderful Life, for example, like, aren't Christmas movies is kind of just boggles my mind in general, you know? (laughs) I feel in the general spirit of christmas we're not talking santa claus we're not talking reindeer we're not talking yeah. snowmen we're talking the spirit of christmas and being with loved ones and you know celebrating the season and you know opening presents and i mean you can watch the hallmark channel during christmas and all it is is christmas movies mm-hmm. um just non-stop christmas movies and they start the day after halloween so it's you know it's it goes forever but they're not about snowmen and santa claus like some of them are about santa claus but for the most part they're not about the standard christmas stuff they're just about people spending time with each other around christmas yeah you know but at the end of the day it's the christmas spirit that brings us together and the gift giving and being with one another and you know joy to the world and yeah that kind of thing so um a couple of my uh picks here don't have any don't have anything to do with and it, it. Like I'm not kidding. Oh, okay. I have one that doesn't have anything to do with that, but because it's a right. cheat, it kind of made my honorable mention. Okay. Um, but you'll understand when we get there. Um, so anyway, let's just jump to the list. Um, let's start honorable mentions. Um, so do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? This um, was a planned episode. This wasn't like a pick, so it doesn't yeah, matter. right. I, I mean, I, I don't mind going. Okay, first. go ahead. Um, one th- disclaimer I can give is. I there's a lot of movies that I really love that just didn't make my list, and I was kind of surprised that I put my list together, and you don't always think of movies within a top five ranking, so then when you actually uh, compile your list, you're just like, really, that one's on my top five? Huh, I wouldn't have guessed that. But then you're also like, oh, but there's this movie and this movie and this movie that I love that yeah. just kind of, you know, I'm not going to have so a chance here's, to mention. So you know? with this specific list, I had... My five, I hit my top five, and I went, okay, there's my five, and I'm going to get, I'm going to, I know I have a couple honorable mentions because I want to talk about them. Yeah. And then I realized that I have, like, at least 20 honorable mentions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because I want to talk about them all. And that's what will be great. We'll revisit a list like this in the future and see if it changed. You know, (laughs) be like, hey, you can do top five, but you can't choose the ones you did last year or something like that. (laughs) Um... So uh, go ahead with your first honorable mention. And yeah. Let's roll with it. 
Uh, for sure. So jumping right in there, my first honorable mention is Elf. So I think um, within the last, I mean, when did Elf come out? This is like a favorite for like everybody like, yeah. re- recently. So yeah, I mean, it's it came out within the last twenty years. I can't remember the exact year, but as far as like newer in the general scheme of film, it's a newer movie. I think it's just really done a great job of cementing itself as a Christmas classic. Like this movie has the Christmas spirit there. You watch it, you feel the Christmas spirit. It's hilarious. Um, I think there's some really cool creative stuff with the uh, kind of claymation creatures in the North Pole and stuff like that. Um, oh, using think, using that old school claymation stuff from the old school Rudolph yeah. thing and combining it with the real life and then throwing like, <laughs> like the change of movie as it scrolls through until he gets to the big city is hilarious. Yeah. So and then I also just love the humor in this movie is so good and just the idea of yeah this is a character who actually worked as an elf in the North Pole, but when he comes to New York City and tries to portray that to real people and how a real person would react to this man's claims is just, it's so well done and it's kind of genius my, in a way. I some of my favorite <laughs> scenes from the movie itself, and it's been running a lot on TV recently because, well, it's Christmas and that's what happens nowadays is they just run all the Christmas movies uh, uh, into the ground. Yeah. Um... They, uh, my favorite scenes are the scenes in the department store. Like, <laughs> right. at the, like, because he works at the North Pole toy store or whatever. That is probably my favorite scenes. All those scenes are amazing. Um, especially with, like, the, the managers running it. And, you know, he's like, there's no singing to the North Pole. And <laughs> Will Ferrell's like, yes, there is. He's like, no, there isn't. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then, uh, when Will Ferrell decorates, he decorates the whole thing because Santa's coming, mm-hmm. right? And uh, the manager is like, whoever did this, uh, I think they sent in a specialist. <laughs> like, uh, <yeah. laughs> he's like, we need to be all on the same page here. Like <laughs> Somebody's gunning for my job. Or like, right. It's so funny. Those are probably some of my favorite scenes. So mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I love it. And just a lot of that humor is kind of, it's kind of this weird fish out of water humor where it's like the main character is completely ignorant to a lot of things in the real world and you just watch it and I guess it's just the dramatic irony. Like, the audience knows how <laughs> crazy this looks and it's just so funny when right. movies do that. Right, so. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, you're in on the crazy the whole time. Yeah. That's the best. That's probably what really makes this movie like <laughs> special. Like, you're in on it the yeah. whole time. This movie, uh, directed by John Favreau, if a lot of people don't realize, this movie got him the job to direct Iron Man. Yeah, which is which, crazy which to is think about. such a bizarre <laughs> right. switch from Elf to Iron Man, like yeah. in terms of the span of genres. But it's the movie that landed him the job for Iron Man. So mm-hmm. yeah. Um, all right. Well, anything else on Elf before? No, that, that's I, mean, I, I find it interesting that it made an honorable mention, but I'm curious <laughs> and, to see what's instead the, of higher on the list. Yeah, but I'm okay. cu- but now I'm really curious about your top five. So <laughs> right on. Um, my first honorable mention is a movie called The Ref. Okay. Do you know this movie? I, I've heard of it, never seen right. it. A lot of people, a lot of people are like, The Ref, what's that? <laughs> um, so, this is the movie that's in a way not a Christmas movie, but it is. Uh, so here's the here's the premise of the movie. Dennis Leary plays a thief. Okay, he robs some guy's house on Christmas. No, on the day before Christmas, like this rich guy's house. And he's got, like, the jewel or whatever and from the guy's safe. And he's trying to get out of the small town. Mm-hmm. And his drunk friend is supposed to be the getaway driver, but he's waiting to be picked up. And he's, like, waiting at the bar for him. 
Dennis Leary doesn't show up. Dennis Leary got... Or his, his driver doesn't show up. His driver didn't show up because he was drunk at the bar. Yeah. Dennis Leary has to hijack someone as a hostage or whatever to drive him wherever. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's one of those, like, I need a getaway driver. So he, like, jumps in the car with Kevin Spacey and Annette Benning and holds them hostage. Okay. It's now Christmas Eve. And, like, so he's holding them. He he doesn't meet up. So he steals the thing from the guy's house, I think, the day before Christmas Eve. He then meets up with them on Christmas Eve. I might mm-hmm. be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's correct. Anyway, he's holding them hostage till, like, the heat dies down and or he can get a hold of his getaway driver. Mm-hmm. And they go back to Kevin Spacey's house. You know, so their husband and wife, they go back to Kevin Spacey's house, and he's going to hold them hostage. Now, what he doesn't realize is... The extended family is coming over for Christmas dinner. Their son, who's at military school, is coming back to visit. <laughs> and they are going through a divorce. And it's like a brutal divorce. And Kevin and Dennis Leary ends up being the ref in the dysfunctional family holiday <laughs> gathering. Nice. <laughs> um, so, and hilarity ensues from there. And... It is the most dysfunctional family like gathering you'll ever see, but at the same time, it's all about the holidays and getting people together nice. for the yeah. holidays. And you have the two snotty like kids who are coming that you know they just want to go home and play with their toys, and their mom's like, "Shut up," you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, their Kevin Spacey's mom is probably one of the worst characters. When I say worst, I don't mean like worst actors she's one of the worst characters like you love her because she's such a bad character like she's so like she's like a she's like the villain but you love her as the character okay she's so good and you're just like god everything out of this woman's (laughs) mouth is like so condescending and so uh um so passive aggressive and you know and then kevin spacey's got this great bit where he goes mom i think i know what i'm gonna get you for christmas next year I'm going to get you a nice wooden cross so anytime you feel like you've, you know, put yourself out there for us, you can climb up on it and <laughs> nail yourself to it. <laughs> um, there's just so many great yeah. scenes um, in the movie. It's a really funny one. It's one that I like to pull out when you're with people and they're like, hey, put on a Christmas movie that we haven't seen or something off the wall like weird. And you're just like, oh, you guys probably haven't seen the ref yet. Oh, you nice. know, like, yeah. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, it, it is about Christmas and it's about pulling the family together and that kind of thing. And so that's great. I mean, it sounds awesome. So I yeah, it's, it's it really funny. Now. And Dennis Leary is a famous comedian if you don't recognize the name, but, um, yeah. Right on. He played uh, Gwen Stacy's father in the Amazing Spider-Man. He movies. did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the ref. Go ahead. Nice. Next um, mention. So I'm probably gonna boggle your mind more because people are gonna give me crap for this next one being lower on my list. But uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation is my wow. next one. Wow. All right. So when you mentioned with Elf, you're surprised how low it is. I think both of these sit at honorable mentions for me just because of. Uh, the fact of how many times I've seen them. And when I compiled my list, I really thought about when I watch a movie, which movie am I most likely to want to watch for Christmas? Like which one? And I think both these movies I've just seen so many times that I don't have that desire as much. But uh, I think <laughs> National Lampoon's... AMC is like running it nonstop. Oh, right oh really? Too. It's on like every day. I mean, I do think it's a great film. Um, it's really hilarious. I think... Uh, it's one of those movies where, when I was young, I kind of uh, really glommed onto a lot of the slapstick humor in the movie, and uh, 
as I got older, I started to notice a lot more of the jokes within the dialogue and just kind of like really funny character parts within the movie. I think, uh, cousin, I think it's cousin Eddie, uh, who's uh, Randy Quaid's character or yeah. whatever. He's just so hilarious. And there's, a uh, one of my favorite parts is when, uh, they go sledding and there's this line where, uh, Randy Quaid says he doesn't want to try, uh, I think it's a saucer sled that, um, Oh yeah. Cause he's putting that like Teflon like spray <laughs> yeah, or something yeah. on the bottom of yeah. the sled so it'll go faster. And, uh, like, cousin and he's Ed- like, don't put that on my sled. <laughs> cousin Eddie's like, no, I don't want to try that. And the point of what he says is that he has like a metal plate in his head. And if he, if he goes too fast on the sled and runs into a tree or something and dents the metal plate, that the part in his hair just won't sit right <laughs> or something like that. And just a lot of little jokes like that. As I get older, I just appreciate more and more. So I really like the movie for reasons like that. Yeah, too, right so. on. That, yes, there's a lot of... Um, that As I've gotten older, the dialogue... Because the slapstick stuff has always been funny. But the yeah. dialogue has just killed me over the years. And just, you know, it... There's so many one-liners in there that make me laugh. Yeah. Um, and even though I've seen it many times, like when he... When he, uh, so at the beginning of the movie, they go get the Christmas tree. They're going to go dig it up or they're yeah. going to go cut down their real, a real Christmas tree on their own. And they go out into the woods and they find the tree and he forgot to bring the saw. So what he does is he digs it out of the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Takes it home and, um, he digs it out of the ground, but you're like, well, he didn't have a saw. He didn't have a shovel either. So he had to do it with his bare hands. Like how do you do it? <laughs> so he gets it home and he has to like cut it. So he gets in the house. And then you see him in bed, like, trying to read a magazine, and the magazine pages are, like, sticking to his... <laughs> and because when he opened up the tree, he's like, it looks great, a lot of sap. Looks great, though. <laughs> yeah. A lot of sap in here. And then you see him reading the magazine, and the magazine's sticking to his fingers because he's got sap all over his hands. <laughs> there's little things like that. And, and the slapstick are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, like... But then there's the scene when the family's coming over for Christmas dinner, and... Uh, the grandmother, it's like the grandmother or great grandmother or the aunt, the great aunt or whatever. She, she's starting to lose it, like mentally. She's starting like dementia or Alzheimer's or whatever. And <laughs> they have, and Rusty brings in the package. He's like, this package is moving. <laughs> and Jimmy Chase shakes it and it starts like, and it screeches it like it, it's a cat. And he's like, oh, she wrapped up her damn cat. <laughs> Um, yeah you know just little things like that like the dialogue is really great in that movie and that's something that I think gets um, underplayed sometimes yeah so I also um, one other tidbit about this movie that I still I don't know how they filmed it but uh, after their I can't even remember who cooked the turkey in the movie but when they go to carpet it's like you make one small incision and the whole thing like because it's just, so dry it kind of disintegrates <laughs> like outwards and it just it has such a unique look to that shot and I kind of just wonder what exactly did they do to oh, make for that the shot happen yeah exactly. like well, was it stop motion animation maybe just with a really dry turkey or what it is you know what that I mean? might actually be how yeah. a really dry turkey looks <laughs> what's funny about that though is when he's like no it's probably fine and then you see them eating and there's no music there's no noise there's no dialogue you can just hear the like trying to chew it and mm-hmm. like it's such a funny scene <laughs> <laughs> um all right so national lampoons um Anything more on that? No, that's about okay. it. Okay. Um, my next pick is The Muppets Christmas Carol. Okay, nice. Um, I've always been a huge fan of The Muppets. Uh, and 
this is definitely if I had to pick like my favorite Muppet films, this one would definitely be like way up there on the list. Um, but I mean, it's basically the Christmas Carol. It's just told by the Muppets, but all the Muppet hilarity is in there. Um, so like anything like that's been exaggerated, and it's just it's just a fun movie. It really yeah. is. Like it's one of those Christmas movies that I wish was on more often around the holidays, just so I could watch it again and again. Uh, you know, because we all get we, we all own movies, but we're too lazy to like actually put the movie in the player and watch them. So we always want them to be at our fingertips and just push a button and there it is. But um, so yeah, I wish this movie was on more often around the holidays. But it's just a, such a fun movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I really like this one. Like, as you were saying, it's kind of interesting how underplayed this movie is because it's just it's a movie that doesn't get played on TV a lot. I feel like I know a lot of people who've never seen it, but I just think it's a really good, um, surprisingly faithful telling of uh, The Christmas Carol. Um, and it's just like, I, I really enjoy it. Like, it's funny, like you said. There's It's a musical, it's a musical and all the songs in it I think are really good. Um, they take some small liber- liberties, like, uh, it's not Jacob Marley in this movie, it's Jacob and Robert Marley, and they're, like, twin brothers. And oh, yeah, played the Marley by, uh, brothers. Statler and Waldorf. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. The old, the old guys in the balcony, Exactly. exactly. And play and so, Jacob and, and Robert Marley. <laughs> and that's awesome. And then the whole thing has, um, uh, what's it called? The whole thing has, uh, Michael Caine playing Scrooge, and he does, like, a great job, too, and... Has a surprisingly good you know, singing voice. What's you interesting though, in, in all the in all the versions of the Christmas Carol or all the versions of Scrooge, at least in that story, Michael Caine's performance as Scrooge in the Muppets Christmas Carol may very well be my favorite performance of the character Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah. Um, so you know, I've always like that. That's one of those performances that really stands out to me. Like. There's times that I've seen other versions of The Christmas Carol, and I'm like, why is Michael Caine not in here? Yeah. You know? And that's, like, kind of what I'm thinking, because I feel like it's one of my favorite versions of The Christmas Carol story, and I feel like it gets uh, tragically not enough credit just because it's the Muppets, and not as many people know about it, but I just think it has such a good, like... It's such a strong representation of that story, you know? It doesn't get enough yeah. credit, so... Yeah, um... Yeah, right on. And Gonzo plays Charles Dickens in the movie. Um, <laughs> I forgot about and he that. Narrate, so he's the narrator yeah. um, as Charles Dickens, which is great. You know, like, that's just funny because some of the some of the things that happen with Gonzo in the story, just, you know, <laughs> um, it's it's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, well, uh, that brings, that's the end of honorable mention. So, so on to the list, then. I feel like in my head, for some reason, I'm way ahead of the list. Like, I don't, like, I feel like I'm at the end of the episode already. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, that's, like, I kind of fell that way, too. <laughs> it's All right, we okay. did it, we got um, through our yeah, honorable we got mentions, through. guys. Great. All right. <laughs> okay, um, so, that would go to my first pick, then. Yeah, okay. um, yeah, your first actual pick. So, uh, my first actual pick is The Nightmare Before Christmas. Ooh. So, this movie, um, it's just kind of one of those, like, ones I just had to pick, um, a lot because of the craft that went into it, like, it's just a beautiful film. Uh, you can just see the artistry and the craft that went into it. Um, and just, like, again, really good songs. Um, Danny Elfman did an amazing job on the soundtrack. I remember, I didn't know when I first saw this as a kid, but I found out later that all the all the vocals 
the singing parts by Jack Skellington were actually Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman. And I was so impressed when I found that out. I was like, oh, I didn't know he could sing that well. I mean, it makes sense, but... Yeah, Danny Elfman um, is from the band Oingo Boingo before he started doing Oh, is he? Yeah. <laughs> I never knew about that either. Yeah, before cool. he started doing film scores and stuff like that, <laughs> he, was in a ba- he was in the band Oingo Boingo. Okay, that's cool. But... And then also knowing that he did all the uh, lyrics to the songs, too, I always thought that was cool, because I feel like this movie was just, like, he probably just had a blast and, like, coming up with these crazy off-the-wall lyrics and just the whole concept of the thing. Uh, Common misconception, by the way, it's Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. That's how it's labeled. Tim Burton did not direct yeah. The Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, he exe- he produced, executive produced, whatever. It's Nicholas Stahl or Stahl or... It's, it's a weird... Spelling, I don't, I butchered his name, I know I did, but he is the actual director, so. Yeah, and Tim Burton wrote, wrote it? Yeah, or, I think, yeah. yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I understand why they label it as Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas, for sure. But. <laughs> yeah, I, I do know that, like, everybody thinks he directed it, but it actually yeah. wasn't him, but, uh, um, oh, where was I going with this? Just, also the concept of, like, we mentioned, like, Rudolph and those old holiday specials, like, the claymation ones and i feel like this movie when it came out it was such a unique concept where it's like take this holiday tradition of these old school claymation holiday specials and kind of twist it on its head and kind of make this really like you know kind of twisted version of it but it's really cool and it really uh it's really fun to see these uh halloween characters discover the spirit of christmas i guess so yeah i mean any thoughts on it that i didn't go through or um no, you basically covered everything. Uh, <laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas is—it's always been one of my favorites um, in terms of like movies of that ilk. Um, mm-hmm. I've always liked stop motion animation. Um, this one is one of those stop motion animations where everything's really clean, um, and I say that because there's definitely some where it's meant to look more like clay. Right. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Some, sometimes stop motion's meant to look fake. Like, that's it's part of the art form, where this, everything is really clean and fluid and, you know, just from a filmmaking perspective. Yeah. But from a story perspective, it's a beautiful story. Mm-hmm. You know, beautiful story, beautiful score, beautiful music, beautiful writing. Like, it's one of those movies that everything is top-notch about it. Yeah. So. And then I also, one last thing I can say is the character design in this movie is so cool um, with all the Halloween characters. Like... There's one character that's a bat that has a tiny body and it uses its wings to walk. And even when I was a kid, I thought like, oh, that's really weird. That looks like something I would draw, but not something that I'd see in a movie. So I even as a kid acknowledged that. And then just also the uh, set design, so to speak, is really good. And that whole like uh, spiral hill in the graveyard, like just super iconic. And, you know, who who would normally think of that? Like it's super unique, right. too. So, right. All right. Anything else? That's about all my thoughts on that one. Um, Well, my actual first pick is Home Alone. Nice. The first one. Um, And yes, everyone, it's a Christmas movie. (laughs) So Um, I I matched Home Alone. That's within my top five as well. Oh, so it's going to come right back to me. So let's talk Home Alone. (laughs) Go ahead. You can talk first. (laughs) Nice. Um, This movie is a... I actually recently watched this about a a week ago um, since it's the Christmas season and... uh, I think the last time I watched it, I got a lot more out of it. Like, I kind of noticed there's this weird thing in Home Alone where the, uh, when Kevin wishes for his family to disappear, it goes, it shows outside and there's winds blowing and the power lines fall, which causes a uh, power outage. But it's 
one of the first things they show like the wind blowing and then there's a close-up of this uh wreath on their front door with santa claus's face in the middle of it and it's yeah, like and close it starts up. to like shake or wiggle yeah from yeah the wind. And it's like this close-up shot of him and it's kind of this cool thing where it's almost like it feels like the director's implying like this is the spirit of Christmas, or like almost like this is the spirit of Santa Claus that's making his family yeah, literally. Here's your, here's your Christmas wish. Yeah, and there's this kind of, if you pay attention to that, as you watch Kevin's uh, mother after she realizes she abandoned her son, as you watch her trail back to him, there's kind of all these weird little like divine intervention, like subtle things within the movie that I never noticed before, but it's definitely really interesting. Um, not that you necessarily have to take it in a religious way, but if you just want to look at it as like, this is the spirit of Christmas doing it. It's like kind of just a really interesting take that I never noticed before. But, um, otherwise, I mean, I just think this movie is really hilarious. I think it's really relatable. Um, I think, uh, watching the way that, Kevin or Macaulay Culkin like plays off of the robbers as well as just all the other people he interacts with. It's just like so funny. I mean, well, that's it. He Kevin grows up in a house, so he's like he's not like the youngest, but he's like one of the youngest, and he grows up in a house with all these kids. So he like <laughs> learns what sarcasm is, and you know he learns how to be snarky like way too early for his age. Yeah. So. When he's dealing in the real world, it's really interesting to see because, you know, my kid does that. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the way he interacts with adults and stuff like <laughs> that, it's really funny. But then, you know, like when he gets sent to – when he gets when he gets in trouble and he gets sent to the third floor, which kicks off the whole plot of the film. And they're like, say goodnight, Kevin. And he's like, goodnight, Kevin. You know, he's yeah. really snotty and whatnot. <laughs> it's really funny how he does that. Um, but this movie – and I don't want to talk necessarily about the message, but – this is one of those Christmas movies that definitely has the feels mm-hmm. that, I mean, all Christmas movies are technically meant to, you know, give you an emotional reaction to make you cry and have that Christmas spirit and, you know, you, you feel for everything. And it's definitely one of those movies that really hits home near the end of the film. And mm-hmm. that's what the movie's really about. You know what I mean? Kevin wants his family to disappear because he's, like, frustrated. He's angry. But at the end of the day, he wants his family, which mm-hmm. is you know, what the whole point is anyway. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the scenes with the robbers, like, I'm sorry, like, I've seen that movie so many times, but some of the things, like, when Daniel Stern, when the spider gets on his face and bites his nose, or what you think bites his nose, and he just lets out that blood-curdling <laughs> scream, <Yeah. laughs> mm. it's funny every time. Or when he's walking up the stairs, I think Daniel Stern's, Daniel Stern getting injured to me is way funnier than Joe Pesci oh, getting know. injured. Like when Daniel Stern's walking up the stairs covered in tar and eventually he steps on the nail. <laughs> like, uh, I think I think they're both really good. Some of the parts of Joe Pesci just get me so well, though. Like one of my favorite parts of that whole sequence when they're chasing Kevin through the house and through all the booby traps is when uh, Joe Pesci, the first time he actually opens the door that he's trying to go in, and there's a blowtorch, like, right above his head. And when he opens the door, it, like, triggers the, triggers the blowtorch, and the blowtorch just scorches the top of his head, and he just freezes there and screams. And this, the way it looks is just so hilarious. I gotta... I'm, I'm, I'm questioning this now. Is that from Home Alone 2? No, it's, it's from Alone? the first one. Okay. Because, I, like, literally, I just watched it a week okay. ago, so because, it's all really Because he gets, the, he gets his hair lit on he gets his head lit on fire mm-hmm. in the second one too so i was yeah like, well that's I, the second one does repeat a lot of the same things it repeats but that's why it's funny what's funny too. about it repeating though <laughs> is that 
it repeats him, but it basically says, we're going to do the exact same movie again, but we're going to turn everything up to 11. <laughs> right. Right. And we're going to make everything as, like, hyper crazy as possible. Yeah. Um, no, so... But then there's some there's great one-liners with his interactions with Buzz. Mm-hmm. Or when Kevin's talking to himself. Or, you know what I mean? One of my... I love the scenes. Like, every time the pizza guy comes to the house, the pizza guy comes to the house... The guys from the airport driving the buses come to the house. Like, any one time anyone pulls up, they hit the statue in front of the house <laughs> right, and knock right. it over. Yeah. <laughs> and it makes me giggle every time. <laughs> um, seen the movie at least 50 times. Every time I giggle when someone hits that statue. I feel like anybody who's worked, like, as a delivery driver or something has had that experience, too, because they always have to lift the statue back up before they <laughs> ring the doorbell. And I feel like everybody's had that moment where, like, oh, crap, I stepped on somebody's flower, you know, like I, I knocked something over in somebody's yard and I have to fix it real quick so to, sort of um, thing. So. One of my favorite, Buzz has one of my favorite lines of dialogue from the movie, and I'm pretty sure I got this. Um, I think I have the I think I have the dialogue correct off the top of my head. But they're in, there are, the family's in Paris, and they're yeah. freaking out that Kevin's home alone, and um, they're watching It's a Wonderful Life in French, so they don't understand a word of it, and they're just, yeah. like, staring at the TV, like, oh, my God, I'm bored. And Buzz is flipping through a magazine, and one of his sisters says, she goes, you're not at all worried about Kevin? And he goes, no, for three reasons. A, we're not that lucky. Two, um, we have smoke detectors. And D, we live in the <laughs> most boring neighborhood in the world that nothing remotely interesting would happen. But one of <laughs> But the line itself is not funny, but what I always thought was funny was the A, 2, and D. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Th- there's just some... It's just brilliant, brilliant writing mm-hmm. is what it is. So, And uh, it doesn't make my list, but I'm glad you brought up the second one because I swear... Like, it, the second one gets a lot of flack for having sequelitis, but I swear that movie's hilarious too. Like, just the uh, dialogue and interactions between, like, Kevin and... Uh, like Tim Curry and uh, Rob Schneider as the hotel staff, like that's all golden too. I'm like, glad you brought that yeah. up. But the, the fake movie. So in in the first oh, one, right. Kevin watches a movie, and then he watches the like another one of those movies in the second one. Yeah, I started doing. I tried finding those movies to watch because I actually wanted to watch them. They're <laughs> fake. They were made for. The movie they don't exist um <laughs> i think i realized that this time watching it too i was like oh that's probably just a made-up movie too but, but it is like i tried to go actually find it i thought it'd be really fun to actually watch the movie yeah no for sure yeah <laughs> um well all right that kicks it back to me since you matched home alone um so my next pick is scrooged okay nice i matched this one as well oh yeah great all right well uh, while i type this into our little spreadsheet why don't you talk about scrooge <laughs> so um I was going to bring this up after Nightmare Before Christmas because I'm pretty sure uh, Danny Elfman did the music for both. He did. And I almost want to say... I love the Scrooge theme song. The opening theme that plays. Um, oh my god, that's amazing. Like, I almost want to say there's a song that's in both Scrooge and Batman Returns, but maybe it's just the music sounds really the same because it's from the same source. But um, um, They do sound really... So Danny Elfman also scored Batman, the Batman. Right, yeah. The Michael Keaton Batmans. Yeah. Um, and he, I understand if you can draw parallels from Scrooge and yeah. uh, Batman. I get that. Um, but that opening, that opening of that Scrooge theme is amazing. Yeah. There's a... 
kind of a funny random tangent as I was watching uh, Batman Returns the other night, actually, because we've just been watching a lot of Christmas or Christmas uh, set movies, and uh, I swear there's a part of Batman Returns that sounds just like uh, Nightmare Before Christmas too, because there's like this part in this uh, during one of the fight scenes where I swear like it's just kind of like. Between two melodies, the bridge between them is just this thing that just kind of sounds like that, making Christmas, making Christmas. <laughs> and I was like, that's Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, it could be. Same composer use things. Mm -hmm. um, real quick tangent, and then we'll go back to Scrooge. Sure. Uh, because you mentioned that it sounded like Danny Elfman may have lifted something from Batman Returns yeah. for Nightmare Before Christmas. There is, a sh there is a moment in the movie Frozen has nothing to do, not same composers at all, but has nothing to do with this other movie. But there's a scene in Frozen where there is a musical cue that is a full direct lift from Man of Steel. <laughs> okay, wow. And I spotted it like my first time watching the movie. I was like, that was Man of Steel. And then after later viewings of Frozen, no, it for sure, like I don't have any exact proof, but it is for sure direct <laughs> Man of Steel lift. Wow. Okay. Which I thought was interesting. So, yeah, you'll have to point me that out to me sometime. Yeah. That's and it's really... very fast, but once you hear it, you will never unhear it. <laughs> um, anyway, go ahead, right Scrooge. <laughs> um, no, I mean, but Scrooge, I think, A, like it's Bill Murray, and it's just really, really Well, this funny. is, so if you, um, don't, if you don't know the movie Scrooge, this is basically a modern-day telling of The Christmas Carol. Uh, well, modern day is in 80s. <laughs> yeah. Uh, modern day, or 90s, 80s, 90s, whatever. Uh, telling of A Christmas Carol. And Scrooge, instead of being um, like a banker, I th is that what he was? Yeah. Like, he, he, I think he was a, a banker, banker or like, like a lender or, yeah, something, or yeah. something like that. Instead of doing that, he's like a corporate head of a TV network. And, they're, and the network itself is going to do a live broadcast of A Christmas Carol on their network. Yeah. Um, and I love the commercial. I love the commercial, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, when he airs it, because, you know, and it's basically like, you're going to die if you don't sit, if you don't see this. <laughs> it, it shows, like, all these destructive forces that have nothing to do with the at all. End of the world, yeah. and earthquakes and volcanoes. Acid rain. And, and, uh... <laughs> uh, where are you going to be Christmas Eve? Mm -hmm. You're going to be watching this if you don't, you know. Um, but no, like, they're, they were so smart, um putting that together and like the cast they chose to play the three ghosts amazing um one of my favorite scenes from the movie it's one of my favorite lines actually is they show uh, the ghost of christmas past is showing him um a, a moment from when he was a child and his father who clearly was always working mm -hmm. comes home and doesn't have enough money to provide like normal christmas presents and stuff <laughs> comes home and he's one of those fathers who works so much that's all he knows is his job and he comes home and hands his hands young bill murray a steak for christmas says merry christmas <laughs> and he goes well i wanted a choo-choo train and his dad goes well get a job and buy yourself a choo-choo train all right. and uh young bill murray says but i'm only four and then his dad goes i'm so sick of people coming up with excuses as to why they can't work. My legs hurt. My back aches. I'm only four. <laughs> Such a good line. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, no, I just loved this movie from top to bottom. Yeah. Um, Karen Allen is awesome in this movie. Um, she plays the love interest. She's from Indiana Jones yeah. fame. So. 
Um, no, I mean, I love all those like character moments and the humor too a lot. Um, and just kind of, I always re just appreciated in general, like the, uh, how it's like a modern, like kind of really gritty telling of the Christmas Very gritty Carol. Telling. But when you think about the Christmas Carol, like it's always been gritty. Like it's always dealt with like, kind of like a lot of poor people and like the slums. It was just set in like, you know, this like old timey England, you know, but when you bring it modern day, you start to notice that like how gritty it is, but I think it totally fits. And then the other thing, like I just really liked about this movie is the uh, kind of character designs with the all the ghosts, like Christmas, past, present, future, and just the special effects are actually really cool too. So, oh, uh, the special effects, the special effects is that movie came out in a period. <laughs> When I say when you say old Hollywood, a lot yeah. of people are referring to like the black and white era. <laughs> yeah. But nowadays I feel like if you say old Hollywood, you're talking about pre CG um, effects. Mm -hmm. Like when I say old Hollywood, I'm talking about back when they had to do the effects for real because you couldn't have a computer correcting all your mistakes. So nowadays if they need to fix something, they can just adjust it with a computer and no one will know the difference. But back in the day, they had to make a movie with real effects, and everything yeah. had to be practical. It had to be prosthetics, or it had to be fake blood, or it had to be whatever. And they had to make it look as real as possible. And all the effects in this movie are, in my, it, you know, as I would describe as old Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, it's so which totally makes sense. But they're just really well but they're done. Really like really well uh, done. The Jacob, Jacob Marley, Marley yeah, character, just yeah. all of the Jacob Marley stuff is just. Probably some of the best effects in the whole yeah. movie. And then I love um, the the Ghost of Christmas Future. Like, that character design is really interesting, too, because it's this big, creepy uh, Grim Reaper-looking character. Well, normally like it's it normally just Grim is. Reaper. Normally yeah. it's Grim Reaper, but this is an oversized, almost, like, um, unbelievable depiction yeah. of Grim Reaper. Well, it's, it's, it's oversized, and the uh, its cloak and stuff has a really sort of like really cool texture to it it looks really epic but then you actually see the creature's face and it's actually like a television screen that just shows like random stuff like related to the visions of the future he's showing and stuff and at one point uh bill murray like gets a peek inside of uh this character's cloak and there's like all these little like demon like gnome <laughs> creatures like as the characters insides and it's like just a really interesting off the wall design so i really loved that too right and then i also really enjoyed uh i think it's buster poindexter as the ghost of christmas present he is hilarious too so oh yeah no yeah. he's fantastic <laughs> um yeah i really i really like buster poindexter is uh just and buster poindexter to me was always fairly funny Mm -hmm. Like outside of his music career and stuff, I always liked him in movies. Um, and being the cab driver, uh, <laughs> Ghost of Christmas Past, I just it was yeah. really great. So, for sure. Yeah. All right. Um, well, that again kicks it back to me, unfortunately. Yeah. But I'm gonna uh, play a little devil's advocate here and send it back to you because my next pick was Christmas Vacation. Okay. Which nice. we talked about earlier. Um, so I, you know, I. <laughs> well, I will. Uh, uh, Really funny movie. Liked it a lot. Yeah. I've been watching it a lot because it's been on. One scene that we didn't talk about before, which makes which makes me laugh every time, is Chevy Chase is at the point of the movie where he's kind of like starting to lose it. 
and he's walking through the house and he's like half dressed. He's got the Santa Claus coat on. He's got the Santa Claus hat on. And for some reason, he's got the chainsaw in his hand. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> and he's like stops at the top of the stairs and he like grabs the newel post and um, jiggles it and he fires up the chainsaw and cuts the top of the post off and he goes, fix the newel post. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just hilarity like that. It's a good movie. So anyway, nice. um, uh, our dad, by the way, um, I went to dinner, or not dinner, uh, mom and dad came out to visit last night, and uh, we went out for, like, ice cream and stuff afterwards, and dad brought up the fact that he's been watching it by himself and is laughing out loud. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Which is kind of funny. <laughs> just the idea is just funny. So, anyway. Nice. Uh, yeah, so go ahead. Well, I will see your Christmas vacation and raise you the Muppets Christmas Carol <laughs> <laughs> and send it back to you. But, no, I mean, Muppets Christmas Carol is really high on my list. It's really one of my favorite um, Christmas I expected movies. that to make your I was surprised you hadn't brought it up yet. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, it just barely didn't make... The reason it hit an honorable mention for me is because when I was stacking it up with the other stuff, I was like, you know, even though it's one of my favorites, it's barely not making the cut. Yeah. So... Where, like, the ref was more of a... I just always thought this Christmas movie was cool, so I want to talk about it, so that's why I made an honorable mention. Right. It's one of those... It's a golden gem that I feel like a lot of people don't know about, Yeah. in my opinion. Uh, and where Muppets Christmas Carol just barely... It was like the alternate that I'm like, I don't know what to do with here. Um, so, yeah, I hear you on that one. <laughs> nice. Um, did you have anything else to say on the Muppets, or...? Um, just before? kind of... I feel like this one's a golden gem that not a lot of people watch, but yeah, I just think it's it's great. Uh, quick <laughs> tangent on the Muppets: There's the Muppets Christmas Carol, um, but there is if if you don't if you didn't know, because a lot of people do the a lot of television networks and movies, and sometimes they do like the big Christmas specials that air on television. Back in the day, there was a Muppets Family Christmas that aired. Which is probably one of my all-time favorite Christmas time viewing things to watch. And I ended up hunting it down and found a copy of it on DVD. It was really hard to find, but I was able to get a copy of it. Mm -hmm. There is one scene that they cut, and I think they cut it for time, but I don't know why they would have done that. It's really kind of irritating that that scene's not in there. But mm -hmm. as a whole, it's great. But this is the idea is, is that Kermit, Fozzie, and the gang, you know, the standard Muppets crew are going to go visit... Fozzie's mother for Christmas and spend the holidays with her. So the whole Muppet gang is going to go visit and hang out for the holidays. So they go, and then when they get there, the Sesame Street gang joins them, and the Fraggle Rock gang yeah. is there. You know what I mean? And it's basically just an excuse to get the Muppets together and sing Christmas carols, but it's a standard Muppet thing. So, like, this really funny stuff with all the characters and, like, all these great one-liners and all these great moments, like, just character beats and the, you know... And it's a really short. It's only like an hour, 45 minutes to an hour to watch. But it's one of my favorite things to watch around Christmas time. Nice. So. All right. You're sending it back to me for yep. my. All right. <laughs> so uh, my second to last pick is uh, the movie Love Actually. Okay. Awesome. Um, I've, obviously, you've seen this, right? Yeah. Okay. I feel like most people have. This This was one of those movies that I really love a lot, but it just didn't make my list sort of thing. Um, so this movie this movie is one of the it's I think it's like the first of the let's get as many celebrities as we can into a movie tell a whole bunch of separate storylines and connect them somehow <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the first movie to really do that but this is one of those movies that like just has all the proper feels like all these like separate Christmas stories are being told 
but they all just like every one of them wants to give you a tear jerking moment at the end when you everything culminates and like as you see things get connected and you want to be a part of every story um it's such a it's such a good movie. The only story that like I didn't like all the way through was the Alan Rickman story because it's the only it's only it's the only one that's like actually sad. Yeah, you know. But I think that's kind of um, that's kind of it is sad and like I don't think you're supposed to like that part. Hmm. But I think it's I don't think you are either. It's just they're being realistic and trying to tell a true life kind of like a, not a true life but a true to life. Yeah, well, I think it's also they tried to kind of incorporate every kind of love story they could, and there is definitely room for a tragic love story in there while also having, like, you know, just different kinds of love stories and different situations you can be in for, like, every different story they tell. And that's one of my favorite parts is it's kind of pretty realistic how they have, like, you know, the love between two people who are friends and the love that's, you know people that are married or divorced or you know guys british guys coming to america just trying to uh you know hook up with as many women as they can you know like they've right. got all those parts in the movie which is just really funny so right and then you have the father and then you have the one story liam neeson story where his wife passed away and it's just him and his daughter his kid yeah. and his kids like thinks he's in love for the first time and Liam Neeson's trying to help his kid like express that love and he's like I think I know how to do it you know mm -hmm. um and then uh then you have like uh, a young Andrew Lincoln pre-Walking Dead Andrew Lincoln falling in love with Kara Knightley and telling her for the first time uh you know but she's taken she's married and he can't yeah. you know you know ex truly express his feelings um it's just so many great pieces and like yeah. every story is fantastic so mm -hmm. and that's like uh, the andrew lincoln part i know i've heard i've seen a lot of people talk online about how they think that his story is like creepy or like he's actually not a good guy but i think that's kind of part of the point of the movie is like whether no matter what your opinion is on each story like there's room for that love story in this movie because I think the point is just kind of including all these different well, what's situations. To say you know? that Andrew Lincoln is being creepy is he's in love with this girl that his best friend is in love with. And yeah. Andrew Lincoln is like, I have to put my feelings aside because I'm not going to ruin this thing. They exactly. Have. Yeah. And unfortunately, like he's clearly like in love with this girl, but he can't do anything about it. So when she goes to see the wedding tape, and he doesn't want to show her, it's because all he taped was her. Mm -hmm. You know, and which, I mean, rightfully so, he's doing a wedding tape, but all he's got is her, and she's and she realizes at that moment. And then, you know, he's like, how do I, he's like, how do I apologize? You know? Mm -hmm. um, but there's really no, like, his, the way he apologized was just beautiful and great, and someone, there was a really cool Walking Dead joke that happened later on. <laughs> um, Andrew Lincoln because they had Talking Dead has their Talking Dead after show, mm -hmm. and Andrew Lincoln went on for the interview or whatever, and they asked audience, they asked people to send in questions, and someone sent in a video question, and it was basically just it was the thing with the cards that he did. And that's how they asked the questions, and it was just oh a cool nice, little homage. <laughs> it was just a, it was just a cool little like bit. That's awesome. Um, it's a good surefire way to get on TV. <laughs> yeah. <right? laughs> um, but yeah, so this movie is just great, and one of the best stories in the movie is the music part. 
the washed up singer who's releasing the Christmas song. Oh yeah. And you know he makes that comment about how if his if his Christmas song makes the number one on the charts, he's gonna perform naked like for, like <laughs> live on New Year's Eve. Yeah. I think it was. <laughs> you know. And so, like, suddenly that becomes this thing, and, like, is he going to be number one? Or, like, is this really going to happen? <laughs> For sure. So. Um, I really like that uh, that washed-up singer story's cool, too, because it shows how he ends up choosing, like, the friendship of his manager at the end as opposed to just partying with these celebrities and stuff. And it's just, it's just really cool how they incorporated everything right. into there. So, Right. Um all right, well, let's move on to the last pick, which gets kicked over to you, and I have a huge feeling that you and I matched. So, because <laughs> we haven't uh, talked about this was yet. Was your so. number one pick a Christmas story? It certainly was. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, so a Christmas story, we matched on that. I Because it hadn't come up, I'm like, I'm pretty sure we matched. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you want to talk about it first? Um, yes and no. <laughs> no, this is a movie that I've seen, I feel like, hundreds of times. Oh, my God. And, like, TBS runs their marathon, like, every year, 24 hours of a Christmas yeah. story. I'm terrified. Before we talk about this movie, I am terrified in the in what's going on in the world right now. Someone is going to say that a Christmas story is offensive <laughs> because it's about a kid who wants a gun for Christmas. And then the movie's going to disappear and be lost into the ethos. Um, that, really, that really scares me that that's going to happen. Um, It'll probably be somebody who doesn't have kids, because I feel like every little boy wants to play with guns growing up. And who doesn't? Like, <laughs> who, who with kids doesn't have a house full of Nerf guns? Right. Relax, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think there's just a movie that, again, just all the character moments, and it's just so well written. It doesn't um, matter what he wants for Christmas. The whole point is that it's about a, it's anyone who's ever wanted anything for Christmas. These are the lengths that you will go to, you know, from putting, yeah. from taking the ad, from taking the ad for the toy that he wants and putting it in his mom's magazine so she <laughs> will accidentally be reading the ad for the to- <laughs> for the item, or like, you know, when his mom curbs him with the no, you're gonna shoot your eye out, and he's like shoot, and then he's, his teacher gives him the essay he's got to write about what he wants for Christmas. He's like, oh, that'll be great. I'll get her on my side, and so he yeah. writes this big like essay about this is what he wants for Christmas, and she hits him with the. You'll shoot your eye out. And he's like, well, now what am I going to do? And he goes, oh, you know what? I'm going to ask Santa because Santa always comes through. And then Santa tells him, you're going to shoot your eye out. You know? <laughs> um, it's just, it's so good. Yeah. Um, it's also, it also feels very timeless, even though it's a very, it's almost a period movie at this point because of how old it is. Yeah. But, ev- like, I, I've seen this movie so many times and I will always, actually, since it runs that 24-hour marathon TBS does every year. I always catch the same scene. Yeah. It's not the same scene every year. Every year I'll start watching it and be like, oh, yeah, Christmas story's on. I'll just have it on. And then I'll have to, like, leave the room for some reason. And I'll come back, like, hours later and it'll be the same scene, like, right where I left (laughs) off. (laughs) Yeah. So I I see that scene multiple times a year. But um, did you ever read the book? No. I've never read the book. The book, um, if you ever want to read a Christmas story, the book is actually called In God We Trust All Others Pay Cash. Um, I tracked down the book because some of my favorite moments in the movie itself is the narrator and the language he uses to describe things. Some of it is so funny um, and so just brilliantly written that I was like, I really need to go, I want to read this book because if they're, because I heard that they directly lifted the narrations from the novel itself and mm-hmm. used them. 
and they certainly did. However, the book encompasses multiple moments in the family's life. The Christmas moment in the book is about 10 pages. The rest of it was sprinkled out. So like him wanting the gun, sure, that was a moment. But um, the uh, there's other scenes sprinkled throughout that had nothing to do with the Christmas section. They basically took them from these other moments and put them in okay. the Christmas thing to make one movie. Yeah. Um, so could you do another one? Maybe, but I, would, I wouldn't ever want them to. Like, I know they tried to do A Christmas Story 2, and I know they tried to do... Uh, they did a Christmas story too, which I never saw because I thought it was kind of sacrilegious to do it. And then they did do another, they did do one that took place during Fourth of July because in the book there's a Fourth of July section, you yeah. know. So with the same family, um, they also in the book you learn about the contest, like what he did to win the leg, yeah. the leg lamp. Okay. Um, and it's actually in the movie. The contest is actually in the movie, like, but it's not connected to the leg in the movie. In the book, okay. it is. So do you remember the scene when he at, they're at breakfast and she, the mom asks Ralphie what he wants for Christmas and he says he wants the BB gun. Yeah. And they're like, you know, you'll shoot. They're like, no, you'll shoot your eye out. But his dad is reading the paper and he says, and he's doing that trivia thing, and he's like, what is the name of the Lone Ranger's nephew's horse? And his wife <laughs> says, Victor. And he goes, how do you know that? And she goes, everybody knows that. Yeah. Um, so he's doing that trivia thing in the newspaper. That trivia thing in the newspaper was multiple was a multiple week trivia challenge. Okay. Where you had to submit answers via the mail. And his dad won that, that contest, <laughs> and that's where he got the leg. But he didn't know that's what he was getting for the prize. It was just the contest right. in the newspaper. <laughs> so it's great. in the movie, but they didn't like verbally like dictate that. But when you read the book, you're like, oh. It's like a gap you're supposed to fill in. Maybe it's it's right. And I think at the time that the movie came out, I think they all just assumed everyone had read the book because, you know, it was a big book at the time. Okay. So, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Um. Oh, my only other thoughts on... I mean, there's so many good uh, character moments. when the kid, like, sticks his tongue to the pole. Yeah. You know, I triple dog dare you. That's just a, that's just a great scene. Um, you know, Scott Farkas, the guy, the, the bully with the yellow eyes. Um, the the Santa Claus scene, like, when they're waiting... That's actually what I was going to Okay, go up. ahead. Well, because, like... Well, I think you were probably going to talk about waiting in line. I or, was going to talk about waiting talk, in line. Talk about waiting in line because I wanted to comment. The Wizard of Oz thing? Well, I wanted to actually comment about when he got up to Santa Claus. So talk about the line really Okay, quick. so they're waiting in line. I, this scene makes me giggle every time. They're waiting in line, and there's this kid who's like, <laughs> I don't know, like he's wearing like, he's like very bundled up, has his hood up. He's probably like sweltering because of how yeah. hot department stores can be. And he's got goggles on. He's got this just big <laughs> grin on his face. And the Wizard of Oz characters, like, people dressed as the characters are walking around the mall. Yeah. And they walk up to the line and, like, hey, little kids. And, yeah. you know, just waving at the kids and, you know, interacting. And Ralphie says to the Wicked Witch, he's like, don't bother me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking. And the Wicked Witch yeah. is like, all right. And kind of wanders away. The kid next to Ralphie looks at him with this big grin on his face. He goes, I like the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> and Ralphie's like, cool. <laughs> and he's like, I like the Tin Man. And Ralphie's like... Yeah. <laughs> it's such a funny scene, and it makes me laugh every time, and there's no point to it. It's just yeah. funny. No, I love that moment. Um, I was going to talk about when he finally gets up to Santa, like, 
that whole exchange with Santa and the elves and stuff is so funny and how Santa just shoots him down so much about wanting the BB gun. But then just like what happens after that where uh, like Santa basically like kicks him in the face to go on the side <laughs> afterwards and Santa like talking to him just like yelling ho in his face and stuff like ho ho ho. And uh, it's just thinking about that scene it's like it's so unbelievable that Santa would actually act that way but then when you think about it you're seeing so much of it from Ralphie's point of view. So it's all from Ralph, and not just Ralphie. Like, it's all the kids. Yeah. Like when the the kid gets on the laugh and he's like ho and like ho ho ho, and the kid just immediately starts screaming. <laughs> right, and it's just like I feel like that's just how it would feel like when you're that age if Santa basically just totally shut you down. Well, and just like yeah, and then he kicked me in the face and I went down the slide. Right, like, who knows if that's actually and not what even happened. not just this not just the shooting down, but think about the idea like when because you're watching that. Scene from the child's perspective not just Ralphie's but all the children's perspective yeah I honestly someone would have to verify like I'd have to go and talk to mom or dad or whatever and find out but did I ever scream like that when they <laughs> took me to the mall to see Santa Claus like they put me in Santa's lap to like you know and I just started screaming you know yeah um and that's what makes me laugh is because you know you know that you've been walking through a mall or a department store where Santa is and some kid is screaming because yeah you know, and then what else is funny is uh I just thought of this but how it's set up where there's Santa's like on this high platform where the kids have to climb up the stairs yeah. and he's so separated from any adults that he literally <laughs> could be treating kids this way and nobody would know like because <laughs> right. like Santa the elves would probably be just kind of sick of like dealing with all these little kids at that point so that's another funny little like fan theory you could throw in there but right yeah fantastic it's such a good movie for sure um so, and I look forward to the TBS 24-hour marathon because I'll put it on and, you know, fall asleep to it or whatever. It's, <laughs> I, I, try and, I try and watch that movie once a year outside of the TBS marathon. I just haven't had a chance to do it yet. So, um, that's one of my Christmas viewing things. Um, that does bring us to the end of the list. But before we go, um, since I mentioned some Christmas viewing things that I like to do, I like watching the Muppets uh, family Christmas uh, special that they did back a long time ago. Um, I like watching A Christmas Story. That's something I always try and watch over the holidays. Um, there is there's a couple more. There's one I'm going to mention here in a minute. But are there any of those um, that you really like? Um, that, is there anything you're like, hey, it's Christmas time. I have to watch this or I have to do this. Is there any like special thing that has to be to make it Christmas for you? Um, I really. I mean, like, you and I grew up together, so there's a lot of this yeah. could be stuff. But we also haven't lived together in years because you know we grow up and you know life yeah. happens. So, I really like watching uh, Gremlins. Like that's not like a movie specifically about Christmas, but it's set during Christmas, so it didn't make my list this week. But it's definitely one of the ones I li- I really like to watch. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any like I like to watch a lot of I like to watch TV a lot episodes. of Christmas movies that aren't really Christmas movies. Like I always try and watch Die Hard, and I always try and watch Batman Returns, and I you know yeah. what I mean like that aren't necessarily Christmas movies, but I always try and watch them. Yeah, um, I, I feel like it's one of those things. Most of mine are on this list, but as soon as we stop recording, I'm gonna think of a really good one. <laughs> so I feel like when I like in around holidays, around the Christmas holidays, and I'm playing a video game, I always try and make sure I'm doing the stuff that takes place in the snow. You know what I mean? I'm always trying to, like, do stuff. It's it's interesting that I always try to do things right. like that. Yeah. Um, so, um, well, uh, I'll get to this thing 
this one that I like to watch in a moment uh, since we're uh, I'm going to kind of save it for the end because Ryan's going to play a clip as we close out. Um, but uh, so next week, so this is the end of this list. So next week, uh, we're moving into a brand new year, guys, 2019. There is a lot of stuff we want to watch. So what we're going to do is next week's list is going to be it's going to be all about anticipation and expectations because next week's list is the top five movies from 2019 that we're most excited to look that we're looking forward to. And it'll be interesting because when we get to the end of 2019, we're going to go back and compare that list to see like, oh, that's what I was excited for. Did any of those actually make the top five? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so yeah, top five anticipated movies. Now, when I say that, we're not going to have a lot to say about them because we haven't seen them. These are movies that we're excited for. And so it could be a very quick uh, top five list next week. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for that, for the, for uh, that, we'll uh, close this out and we'll just say that, uh, hey, um, subscribe to us. We're on iTunes. Check us out on our website, um, top5report.com. Uh, Twitter and Facebook, check us out there at top5report. If you want to interact with the show in general, please send us an email, uh, top5report at gmail.com. Um, you can follow me personally. I'm on Twitter. I'm Drew3927. Uh, follow me on Twitter at NinjaPierre. Great. Um, and then, uh, all right, so we got that out of the way. Let me talk <laughs> about this one thing real quick, and then we'll close out. Um, one of the things I really like to watch, we, I, I, we, always, we talk a lot of comics on this show, um, but uh, and I know I always try and bring everything back to Batman. Uh, the Batman animated series, the one from the, uh, from the 90s, um, there's an episode um, from the fourth season called Holiday Nights. Um, it's like a three-part, not like a th- not like three episodes. It's like three mini stories within the one episode. The first one is uh, it's a Christmas. Uh, it's Bruce Wayne getting like kind of hijacked by Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy on Christmas, and they go on a shopping spree with his uh, credit cards, and then he snaps out of it and becomes Batman and stops them, and then. Uh, um, the next one, Batgirl is like shopping at a department store for, you know, her dad's Christmas present and Clayface attacks and she mm. has to, you know, deal with Clayface. And then, um, the third one is the Joker trying to take over, uh, Gotham City on, on New Year's Eve mm. and Batman's got to step up and, you know, stop him. Anyway, the very end of the episode, um... There's this really great moment. I'm only describing this because I told Ryan I wanted him to play the audio at the end of the show. Um, Is Commissioner Gordon and uh, Batman... Commissioner Gordon goes to a diner. It's New Year's Eve. The new year has began. It's clearly after midnight, so it's the next year. Uh, Commissioner Gordon goes to this diner. The owner of the diner clears all the patrons out because Commissioner Gordon's walked in and he's like, hey, your buddy might not show tonight because I heard about what was going on. And he's like, well, if, you know. And then Batman walks in and they sit down and they have a cup of coffee. And Commissioner Gordon says, well, hopefully we're doing this again next year. You know what I mean? It's just this really great moment between these guys. They, They clearly meet every year. And every time I see that scene, this is one of those episodes I try and watch every year, but every time I see that scene... It gives me chills, not just because I know they did that, but because, like, here we are moving into a new year. We're leaving this past behind. We survived it. Let's go and do this again. You know, it's just it just makes me, like, really happy every time I see that scene. It's just such a cool, like, uplifting kind of thing. Like, you know, if that's the worst we've had to deal with in the past, 
what are we going to deal with next year? You know, here we go. Let's see if we can, you know, move forward. Um, and so Ryan's going to, when we close out here, when I, when I decide to shut up and stop talking, Ryan's going to play the clip and that'll close us out for the night. Uh, so you're just getting the audio from it, but it made me laugh because, um, I was like, I really wanted to put that on there. And, um, and in classic Batman, you know, motif, Commissioner Gordon takes his eyes off Batman for the briefest moment and he disappears and pays for the check before Commissioner Gordon can say anything. It's such a cool scene. Um, but in all seriousness, guys, it's the Christmas, uh, it's the New Year's. We all hope you have fun and safe holidays. Um, and for the everyone here at the Top 5 Report, Merry Christmas. Peter, do you have anything before we close out? Ditto. Great. So Merry <laughs> Christmas, guys. Everyone have a great night. We'll see you next week. How's that on? Better than the Jokers. Close one this time. Mm. They're all close ones. Well, here's to survival. Hopefully we'll be doing this again next New Year's Eve. Hopefully. And now, Joe, if I could get one of your famous cheese steaks to go, I'll be ready to call it a night. Anything for you. One of these years, I'm going to beat him to the check.